0: Luke chapter 6, we'll start in verses 6 this morning. Thank you, Lord. I titled this message, I shared this with you earlier, I'll try to hit the high points. I understand we've been here for a while, we've worshipped a lot, we've prayed a lot, God's did some awesome things, amen, He's did some awesome things this morning, um, already in this house, and so, not to take away or add to anything that God has done, Amen. Um, But I do think just to reaffirm and to confirm some of the things that God has done, um, the Bible says to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Amen. We've definitely had a touch of the spirit this morning, but we need the truth of God's word also. Amen. Amen. We need the truth of God's word. And so um, we're going to look into his word. And I titled this message this morning, An Unhealthy Bride. But a remnant will rise. An unhealthy bride, but a remnant will rise. Before we move, I I want to invite everybody to come back at 5 o'clock today. I've got a friend of mine, Mike Chisholm. He'll be preaching in our camp meeting, actually. Um, He called me not long ago and asked. A friend of his was passing through town, headed to sing at a camp meeting in Tampa and um, So he's going to be here tonight, at this evening at 5 o'clock. He's already had a miracle happen in his life um, in Destin. He was staying in Destin and um, the woman asked him, are you the landing the lines that sings Lay My Isaac Down? And he said, that's me. She said, I got your album. My mother just died a month ago and that song has got me through and he was able to pray with her and and um, it was just a miracle that God has already done in his life and He said he felt really directed of the Lord to even stay at this, where he was staying. And so he sings uh, gospel music. And um, so he'll minister in song and and in testimony tonight. And so I I believe it's going to be powerful. So I really encourage you and spur you on to come back if you can. Um, Let's be a blessing to him too. Amen. Let's be a blessing to him too. And um, I I know that it'll be a good night. and God's going to move. Amen. Luke chapter 6, would you stand with me this morning for the reading of the word? I know you've stood a lot already, but let's just honor God. Amen. This morning, Um, let's honor his word. And we're going to read through verses 11. Luke chapter 6, verse 6 says, And it came to pass also on another Sabbath that he entered into the synagogue and he taught, and there was a man whose right hand was withered. Where did he enter into? The synagogue. It's the church, amen? It's the church, and he's teaching in the church, in the synagogue. Uh, Verse 7, and the scribes and the Pharisees watched him whether he would heal on the Sabbath day that they might find an accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts, and he said to the man which had the withered hand, rise up and stand forth in the midst. And he arose and he stood forth. Then said Jesus unto them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath days to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? And looking round about upon them all, he said unto the man, Stretch forth thy hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored whole as the other. And they were filled with madness and communed one with another that they might do to Jesus. Can I tell you, the church isn't the only people that commune, and sometimes the kingdom of darkness can commune greater than the kingdom of God. They're going to commune. Demons are going to be in unity. Demons are going to follow order. Well, you wonder why the church has lost authority and power? Because we've lost honor for authority. We've lost honor for the house of God. And we've lost honor for the word of God. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, I ask you, Lord, to help, to heal, to deal today, God, in this house. I ask you, Lord, that you would anoint me, God, to deliver your word, Lord, in a timely manner this morning with love and in truth. In Jesus' name, amen. I was around Stephen McKay this week, and he says, Lord, help me bless a lot of people in a short amount of time. Well, the thing we told Stephen McKay is you never take a short amount of time. Amen. He likes to talk too much. Y'all think I'm bad. Amen. So uh, he never likes to, so uh, we always tell him, you bless a lot of people, but you don't do it in a short amount of time. Amen. He is a blessing. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Glad to have Judy and Felipe with us this morning. We love y'all. Been praying for y'all. Amen. They've been through a hard time. Sister Judy's lost her mother and her stepdad, which was her dad. And so we just, we love y'all greatly. And I'm just so glad that you're here this morning. Um, so I, I'm just going to do my best to hit the high spots, all right? I'm going to do my best. This morning, um, I just felt the Lord totally change everything that I was going to say. Um, it had to do with this this story, but it had nothing to do with the direction that we're going to go. Um, but God knows, amen? God knows the direction, and God knows who is here, amen? And, and so I'm not a theologian, and so... Uh, don't use what I'm going to say because I may be incorrect. I, I, I don't believe you can't say that it's not. But I'm going to say this, that I believe that this man with a withered hand is a type of the church. Or could be. Okay? Um, could be. And I'm just going to pull out from this man what I believe that the Lord has showed me a few things about his life that I believe that we can relay that to the church. Amen? We do know that Jesus came into the synagogue or the church And begin to teach. Can I tell you that the true church is the ecclesia. It is not the building. The ecclesia is those that have been called out. And so you can be in the synagogue teaching. But that don't mean that you're teaching all to the church. The church are the only ones that's been washed in the blood. And those that have been called out. And so you can be in the middle of a church building or a synagogue. And you can be teaching or preaching. But you may not be dealing with the church. You could be in a church building, but does not mean that you're ministering to the church if they're not the ecclesia and they've not been called out. Amen. And so I do believe, so Jesus is in the synagogue and he's teaching, and I believe we're going to, we we just see a few, we see Jesus, we see the man with the withered hand, and we see the scribes and the Pharisees. Well, to me, that's pretty much what we see here today. You see Jesus. You see a church with a withered hand. You see, and then you see religious Pharisees. You see scribes and Sadducees. You see people that are trying to point out, oh, what, I can't believe that. Man, what's going on? And we're talking about it. We don't talk about it maybe in church because we're too scared because we, we, we know, oh, I'm in the building. Huh. I'm in the building, but yet you'll go talk about the true church when you leave. Huh. We, we fear buildings, but we don't fear God's true church. And we touch her. And we talk about her. Who, who, what are you saying, Pastor? Because our perception in America, well, I'm going to go to church. What do you mean you're going to church? You're going to a building? Is that church? Huh. So you go to church, you, you attend a building, and if that's all that church is to you, then you'll never sow into that. Because the more attractive a building is, then you'll be drawn there. But some of the greatest churches I've ever been to is where there was no building is where little huts that were made with cow dung and mud in Africa, in Colombia, in the Dominican Republic, in Israel. I'm talking about where there was no dirt, where the floor was dirt. You waller around with demon-possessed people for an hour and a half. But today they become the greatest leaders in these areas and churches because they were set free. And so if your perspective of the church is how big the steeple is and what color the building is and how big it is, then you'll never have respect for the true bride of Christ. And that is the one thing that I want to, the church has become unhealthy because we don't know the true reality of what the church really is. The church is the ecclesia, the called out ones, those chosen by God. Amen. Why do you say they were chosen? Because no man can come to the Father unless he draws them, unless the Spirit of God is there and he pulls you. Amen. That's what the Scripture says. The Father goes and he gets you. The shepherd threw the sheep over his shoulder and he carried him back. That tells me I'm chosen. My God, who else is going to do that? Who else is going to go get Jared Jenkins from jail when I look like I look? Throw me over their shoulder and say, i got a plan for you. (laughs) Well, let me tell you something. It's hard to get out of the hands of the shepherd. If he ever gets you over his shoulder, it's hard to get away. You try. Anybody ever tried? You tried to kick? How many of you has kicked the shepherd lately? The shepherd's got some skin marks on him because you're kicking. He got tired of you kicking, so he broke your leg. You got mad at him? (laughs) Well, let me tell you, he broke your leg because he loves you that much, and he don't want you to kick him anymore. So the church has become very unhealthy. Our perspective of church in America is way off. The ecclesia, you should have honor and respect. Amen? And so that is my first point. Here we are, we, and, the, and it came to pass on another Sabbath that he entered into the synagogue, and he taught, and there was a man whose right hand was withered. Now, I, I've, you've heard me preach this, this passage a lot, amen? But the first thing that we see that Luke brings out, Luke was a doctor, and so Luke brings out the specifics that the hand was his right hand. And so we know that the right hand is, means honor. We know that the right hand means honor. So my first point is this, is one of the, one of the points and one of the, the determining factors that the church is unhealthy is because the church has lost her honor. We don't honor the bride. And so the right hand is withered. And so we've lost honor. The right hand, the honor of the church, the bride of Christ is gone. We have lost and left our first love. The reverence, For the place and the people of God is gone. We treat it however, whenever we want to. Well, I don't feel like going to church today. Well, you don't go. You don't feel like being with the church today. Well, you don't go. Well, I don't feel like tithing to God's people, to to, to the church today. And you don't tithe. So we've made up our mind and we've lost all honor. We don't respect God's bride. We don't respect her. We don't respect the true church. We have lost honor. The ecclesia, the called out, we've lost that. We've lost honor for Jesus' bride that he purchased with his blood. We've lost honor. How do you lose honor? Because it don't look like. Why why have we lost honor? Because it don't look like what we think it should look like. And it's not functioning the way that I think it should function. But is it functioning according to the word of God? And so we begin to lose honor for the true church. And so that right hand was a type of honor. So his right hand was withered. Can I tell you, when we lose honor, we lose authority. When you lose honor, you lose authority. The Lord told, gave me three things yesterday. And if we'll live by these three things in 2021, you'll have a fruitful life. If you'll honor, if you'll honor God, if you'll honor God's authority, people in the pulpit, if you'll honor the five-fold ministry, pastors, teachers, apostles, prophets, and evangelists, then you'll, you'll be blessed. Amen. If you honor God's people, amen. If you honor, you you don't have to like them, but honor them. Honor that place. I can tell you, the people in the places that God has asked you to honor and me to honor, I guarantee you, they didn't go looking for that. People that go looking for it, I can tell you, they put their self there. But the people, I'm talking about the people called out that God places are worthy of our honor. Amen. Are they worthy of our honor? And so if we would honor God's house, if we would honor God, if we would honor God's people, if we would honor God's church, if we would honor our parents, if we would honor our authority, no matter what happens January 20th, you still got to honor. It's not on us. And so to be a rebellious bride is to be unhealthy. God's word, don't tell us who gets voted into office. God's the authority of all of that. So what is our responsibility to still honor? Amen. Not rebel, but honor. Amen. Amen. The church has lost her honor, and when we lose our honor, we lose our authority. I said when we lose our honor, we lose our authority to function and flow in full capacity. And so his right hand was withered. The second thing I want to tell you, if you're taking notes, I'm going to move quickly, is the bride of Christ is very hurt. She's hurt. Not only has she lost her honor, but when you lose your honor, then guess what you begin to do? Anything that happens, you do. And so it opens up a lot of doors for hurt to come into the Bride of Christ. And so we become very affected by our hurt. How many of you can honestly say you've been church hurt? Raise your hand. I've been church hurt. Can I tell you that's one of the greatest hurts you can ever, ever carry in your life? That hurt will try to control your life forever. But no matter what, how hard you've been hurt, you still have to honor that person that even hurt you. And the only right thing to do is go make wrongs right. Amen. You have to honor. If you're going to leave somewhere and you didn't honor that pastor, he may have hurt you. But if you left wrong, then guess what? You're going to bring that hurt to the next place God's called you to be. And you won't honor that pastor either. It'll just follow you everywhere you go. And so we that's how denominations have been birthed. that's how churches have been birthed because by George, I'm going to do it my way. You don't honor anybody, but you demand honor from everybody. <laughs> and so we build our own denominations, we build fortified cities, we build our own churches, we build everything out of a wrong motive and spirit and it's demonic. <laughs> it's demonic. Now, it's probably very attractive. It's probably very attractive. And people flock to it, but it don't make it right. Anything that's not birthed out of honor, is not of God. We have to honor. I've been church hurt. But God, by the grace of God, has put me back in those people. They're, they're not long ago, somebody, I've, y'all have heard me say this. This pastor didn't have a clue. I can tell you, it was Jerry Moore. He was preaching at Carmel one day. I got a phone call, and and, and Pastor Jerry said he was taking a two-week sabbatical or two-month or something. Well, I didn't understand that. And I just opened my mouth a little bit about it and said, "I, I don't really understand that. You know, I didn't think he went about it the right way and everything else. And next thing I know, I'm just kind of just saying little things. I didn't say it out loud. I didn't say it on live. I am now. You know why I can now? Because I'm not afraid, because God told me in my quiet time. Who do you think you are to touch that man's ministry? He said, now you better call Carmel Assembly and you better set up a meeting with Jerry Moore. <laughs> well, he didn't know I said that. God, can I just repent to you? No, because you touched him. <laughs> so I had to eat my words. And I had to call Carmel Assembly. And I had to ask for a meeting with Jerry Moore. And I had to say, because you know what happened to me? When I touched him, I became under the darkest moment in my mind mentally I'd ever been in up to that point. And my first motive was, I think I'm going to go to the board and see if I can have two weeks off. And the Lord said, who do you think you are? You just talked about a man of God that's taken two weeks off and you didn't agree with him. And now you're going to go to the board and ask for that? I said, Lord, I'm sorry. You're right. And I said, what do you want me to do? He said, I want you to go sit down with him. And I want you to go confess to him what you said about him. Well, God, surely I can just... No. And you know what I did? I went and sat down with him. And can I tell you, that man began to minister to me a word about the rest of God. The rest in God that I've never in my life and I just broke. But God, when you honor God's people, don't touch God's people. You touch God's people. You touch God's anointed you better be careful. It's going to come on you. The church is very unhealthy. We just talk about anybody, anyway, anything, anytime. We just blah, 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 blah. And we wonder why we're such a mess. And we wonder why we're so open to so much hurt. We've been church, hurt, the church is so hurt. Could you just say that? The church is so hurt. That's a reality. But can I tell you the next part? The church is so scared to deal with it. Your religion has taught you just enough to live miserably. Is that right? Well, as long as I look like this, then I'm okay. And I feel good for this Sunday, but underneath, if you only knew, I look like dead men's bones. I'm so hurt, but I was taught that you don't even talk about that. You just press in and pray a little more. You just fast a little more. You just get in the altar and cry a little more. And surely it'll all go away. Just pray through. It'll all go away. Some things will. But a lot of things won't. (laughs) You're not living for God right. If you feel that way, you must be out of the will of God if you're facing what you're facing. (laughs) Oh, really? Well, let me get back over here then. You must not be in the perfect will of God if that's what's going on in your life because God wouldn't allow that in your life. He wouldn't. So we convince people that they're out of the will of God through our religion because we're hurt and we don't want to deal with ours because if you ever bring yours out, it may affect me because I might have been the one that done that to you. Come on, somebody. And so we just want them to bury it. And I'm going to say it again since I call all kind of hell for preaching this last Sunday. I got rebuked twice for it. We try to minister on top of dead Egyptians. You can't. You'll minister out of shame and guilt. And you lose your authority, your ability, and your access into people's lives to minister to them. They're going to look back at you and say, well, who, who made you ruler over me? Are you going to kill me like you killed him yesterday? You're going to kill him like you killed me and you lose your authority. Why? Because people know what you do. People see who you are. You think people don't see who you are? You're the meanest devil in the house but you act like the greatest saint because you've been told pray more, fast more, press in more. Oh, I'll do it. I'll be the first one in the altar, but you're mean as a snake. You look like the pure devil in the house of God. You dare anybody else to say anything because you're tired. and You're miserable. And we make, listen, we know how to keep people away from us. Because we know if we ever let anybody in, then they're going to see who I really am. What really matters about that? Are you afraid of your hurt? The church is. The church has become so afraid to deal with her hurt. And if you're afraid to deal with your hurt, then you're going to be very unhealthy. If I have sickness in my body and I don't go see a doctor, then guess what's going to happen? I could die. And so if the church, if the bride of Christ don't deal with her hurt, then guess what's going to happen? She's going to die. If you look back over the years, is the church in a greater state? I can tell you religion is drip dribb, drip I can tell you in the last days, He'll pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. But right now, the church is a mess. The church is very unhealthy. But there's going to be a remnant that will rise. How how can God move? How can God pour His Spirit out? I believe when people are broken messes, and the Holy Ghost is going to say, you see that church? I can move on her. You see that man and that woman? I can move on her. Why can you move? Because she's got nothing to lose. They've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. They got nothing to lose and everything to gain. What do you mean, pastor? I'm saying they're as broke as broke can be. They've got nothing else to lose. Here I am. I say a lot of times I'm an easy target. Here I am. What you see is what you get. I know that's not much. I don't have anything else to lose. I lost it all about 18 years ago, but by the grace of God, God got me to a place, and I'm telling you, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of what I once was, but I can tell you, I'm not yet what I'm going to be. Amen. Amen. Because God is for me. I'm telling you, God's got to get you to a place in your life where you're broken. And in that moment, you got nothing to lose. But my God, you got everything to gain. And God can trust that bride. God can trust that man. God can trust that church. Because we got everything to gain. Nothing else to lose. By the glory of God. (laughs) Hallelujah. We got nothing else to lose but everything to gain. Huh. You know the dirt on me? Praise God. You know you know the sin I was in? Praise God. You know the lust that's in my heart? Praise God. You know the rottenness that's in my sin? I'm not talking about living in there. Huh. I'm not talking about glorifying in the hair. No, 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 no. I'm talking about I got nothing to lose. Oh, but grace works in me and does what I can't do on my own. You're very right. I was a lustful man. I had a sexual addiction. I killed three babies before they were ever born. That's who you're looking at right now. I got nothing to lose. I said, I got nothing to lose, church. I was a whoremonger. I was a dopehead. That's what I once was. I said, I got to the place. I had nothing to lose. And if anything was ever going to come up out of that, then it was going to be the grace of God. Oh, I got to a place in my life, nothing else to lose, but everything in this life to gain. Hallelujah. Everything to gain. Everything to gain. I've told you a thousand times, I'm a quitter. I'm a quitter in my flesh. Oh, but grace works in me greater measures than I could ever do because if it was left up to me, I'd walk away from everything. I'd never even look back on your face or even think about it. That's in my flesh, but grace works greater in me. I'm not afraid that you know that about me because God is greater than I am. Hallelujah. But we're so afraid. We try to be men that are holy and minister on top of dead Egyptians. Get a break. Quit being fake. Quit being phony. My God, wake up. Sick of religion. Can we just have a church that needs the grace of God? It says here I am Paul said I boast all the more in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest on me Have you ever been to some churches I'm talking about Pentecostal by name <laughs> but no power Amen. Pentecostal by form <laughs> but no fire Have you ever been there brother Michael <laughs> I'm talking about Pentecostal by name but there's no power but let me tell you why is that? Because boy, I can speak in tongues good. I can shout loud. I can preach hard. I can tell you everything you need to know, just like a scatter machine. Going, Somebody's gonna get hit. Right. <laughs> Somebody's gonna get hit. Boy, and I go on Facebook and say, Woo, we had a shouting match today." Well, who got healed? <laughs> Who got moved on the inside? Who got delivered from shame and guilt? Who came out of hiding, Adam? Where are you? Who got rid of fig leaves and put on the blood? Let me ask you this. How do you see Adam? Do you see him as the man that fell in the garden or do you see him the man in the lineage of Jesus? How do we see him? As a man that wore fig leaves or a man that God pursued him in grace and wrapped him in the blood? You see, your perspective about stuff will change a lot if you look at the full gospel. <laughs> that blood covers everything. And If you just look at people as they were kicked out, but who was there? That blood. That blood is there, amen. I said, we gotta look to the fullness of Christ, amen. We get so hurt, but we're good at covering with fig leaves. We tried the fig leaves grew from the ground. The blood came as a sacrifice. Something had to die In order to cover Adam and Eve. Amen. It wasn't going to come from the ground. It's not going to come by what you can do. You're not going to be able to use anything that was grown from this ground. Everything, if it's going to cover you, is going to have to die. And if you're going to serve God and live for God, then you're going to have to die too. You're going to have to make up your mind today. The reason the bride is so unhealthy is because she wants to live her life the way she wants to live her life. But if the church and the bride of Christ in this hour is going to become healthy again, she's going to have to die deny herself, pick up that cross, and begin to follow God. There's nothing to lose there. I got everything to gain. What are you saying, pastor? All I got to gain is the cross. I know it's heavy. I know it gets hard, but we got to bear the burdens of the cross in this hour. We're hurt. The church is so hurt. This word withered can mean to be withdrawn, pulled back. Amen. Hurt, withdrawn, or pulled back? How many of you, it's like whenever you slam your finger in a car door, what's the first thing that's going to happen? You're going to pull it back. And you're probably going to think and watch that door very carefully from now on. So because you get church hurt, you go into a new church. You know God sent you there. But you're looking. What are you looking for? I'm looking for that hurt again. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to make sure I'm not going to put my hand back there again. And so you start finding fault ooh, instead of favor. Come on. I said you start looking for fault instead of finding favor. You're looking at everything that's in the pulpit. Well, I don't know. He just didn't really die. You start looking everywhere because you think that hand's going to get back there. Have you ever thought about it? Maybe the very place God brought you to say stretch for. But you're so busy, you're so busy looking for fault that you can't find faith. I said, We're so busy looking for fault that we can't find faith and hear the Lord say, Stretch forth thy hand. This could be the very place that Jesus has brought you to heal from your hurt, but you're too busy fault finding. I said, We're too busy fault finding. You think that you call it discernment? That ain't discernment, that's the devil. You're not discerning. Anybody can find a fault. My God, you're not spiritual. I don't impress God. It's easy to get up here and preach a mess today and blast everybody in this house. Anybody easy to blast in here today? Anybody holy? In your own doings, we're holy because God is holy. You're righteous because God's righteous. We got a lot of self-righteous people The church is very hurt The church has become withdrawn Let me tell you if you're here today and you're withdrawn It's not your personality It's an issue It's an issue It's not your personality Because who you say that you are Well I just stay back No you don't You're in disobedience you're withdrawn. You know why you're withdrawn? Because you're hurt. And you don't want nobody to know that you're really hurt. You don't want nobody to know the real you. And your unworthiness and then your hurt and in your pain. You're, you're attached to shame and you don't want to minister out of that. You got a story to tell. Quit burying it. Quit hiding in the cool of the day. Amen. So we withdraw. If you're here today and you're withdrawn, God wants to heal you. Can I tell you, it means to pull back. If you're here today and you say, I'm just going to pull back from church for a little while. I know right then, somebody done hurt them. Somebody done said something to them that hurt their feelings. I'm just going to take a break. I'm just going to pull back for you. You ain't pulling back from church. you pull pulling back from Jesus. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm going to pray more than I ever have. I'm just going to take some time and fast and read. The, no, you're not. You won't do it when you're being encouraged in the house of God. You think you're going to do it whenever the devil's got you telling you to walk away because you're hurt? Let's get to the real root issue. Somebody said something you didn't like. Now you said, I'm just going to pull away for a little bit and take a break. No, you're not. Did Jesus take a break bearing the cross? What if he had said when it got too hard and Simon was there? No, Simon, I ain't letting you help me. I'll get out from under. I'll pick it back up whenever I get ready to. But he didn't do that. Y'all still with me? I'm trying to hurry. Religion has taught us to fake it till you make it. We got a lot of fakers here this morning. What if we all just came to the altar at altar call and just said, hmm. You mean to tell me that that's the church that Jesus wants? Really? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm telling you Jesus wants. <laughs> What if we could all just walk out of here today with a clean slate and you say, my God, I said I was going to take that to my grave. But I'm free. You can literally go home and be man, I slept right for the first time in years. Because you can't sleep right on top of dead Egyptians either. Just saying. You can't do nothing on top of them. Things that you say you'll take to your grave will kill you and send you to your grave. I promise you. I can tell you this. You look to your neighbor and to your right neighbor, left and right. Say, you ain't never did nothing that I ain't never did. (laughs) Can somebody say amen? Put an amen on that. I'm fixing to go Melvin Sanchez on y'all and say stand up and clap your neighbor. Amen. And say amen. (laughs) I'm telling you. Y'all know it's the truth. Now tell them again. Say, neighbor, you can't say nothing that's gonna embarrass me or keep me from loving you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Shoot, I just felt freedom coming here just by saying that. Amen. That's the truth. There's freedom. And love covers a multitude of sin. Amen. 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 People say, well, don't tell everybody that because they're going to use it again. Let them use it against me. They're not touching me. They're touching him. His love covered me. His blood washed me. Now, am I saying you just go around? Use wisdom. (laughs) Don't go to Facebook. You hear me. Don't go to Facebook. People on Facebook don't care about you. People go to Facebook. People lost people on there trying to pray for somebody. (laughs) I'm talking about all the prayer warriors come out. They they, they don't know Jesus for nothing. Give me the ecclesia. They'll touch heaven for me. Give me them that are called out, that are praying through in their own life, that are feeling their own pain. They'll touch God for you. Amen. Them folks on Facebook don't care about you. They'll post on there because they can go back and see who liked it. They want somebody to see they're praying for you. They ain't praying for you. I mean, I love Jesus and sometimes I'll tell somebody that and I'm like, man, I ain't prayed, I get convicted. <laughs> so you gonna tell me a lost person that's engulfed and trist in sins just stop, drops everything and just gonna touch heaven? No. Don't go to Facebook and share your bondage. Go to God. Go to God's people. God's give you somebody behind you, front of you, left and right around you. I'm telling you, they'll sit with God with you. Amen. We're hurt. Religion has taught us to fake it till we make it. Is that true to anybody in here? (laughs) Fake it till you make it. Listen to this. Religion says you can't be real. So reality is I live withdrawn instead of in front. This last hour bride is going to have to be up front. (laughs) This last hour bride is going to have to live up front. Listen, It brings me to my next point. The third thing is that the bride of Christ has lived halfway. Now, I don't know how I really would do this. It's like this. The left hand was complete. This hand was like this. So if we're looking at this man as a type of the bride of Christ, it's like this. It's like the world is in full speed. Who, who won the election? The left. <laughs> But the right, the church, we're about halfway. I ain't trying to bring politics into anything, but I just kind of had that thought this morning. (laughs) Amen. Because the church, who's following? Who should be leading in the world? Who should be leading in this nation? Not man, the church. This, This nation was birthed on God. In our forefathers and the word of God. But we've taken it out. And guess what? We live like this. Nobody stood up for it. Nobody stood up for it when they took prayer out of school. No. You know why? Because it's already out of my house. No. No. It's already out of my house. No. It's already out of my life. (laughs) Oh No. No. No, I don't care what what they do. Take the Bible out of everything. Well, I ain't reading the Bible anyway. It's got dust all on it. You're too hurt. These people don't care about their hurt. They're not safe. They're not trying to deal with the hurt. Oh, but the bride of Christ. It's not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick people. But yeah. I don't even talk about my sickness. I try to hide it. Why? Because I'm too prideful and arrogant. Any men ever been in here and said, I ain't going to a doctor? Any women in here ever said, I ain't going to the doctor? I, I wasn't going to look at you, big daddy. But I was already over here and I seen everybody else look at you. So I figured I would, okay? I love you. But <laughs> well, what happened? You didn't have a choice, did you? Had to go. And so we live like this. How many anybody ever said I ain't going to the doctor? Men and women, I ain't going to the doctor. No, 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 no. Nah, I don't need no doctor. We do the same thing in church. So we so we, we become halfway. Listen, we become half of what the left is. The right hand becomes half of what the left is. The left hand was whole. The left hand was stretched out. But there was an issue in the right hand. Could it be that the church is living like this? The world is wide open. The world is going and blowing. And guess what the church is doing? We're so, we're so afraid. We're so fearful. We don't have any courage. We're not like Joshua. Be strong. No, we're just back here. Well, I may or may not get up and go to church today. Well, I may or may not get up and read my Bible today. Well, I may or may not join this. I can't believe they would fast in January, first of the year. I'm not ready to do all that. Well, I, I don't know. We're so uncommitted. You know what Pastor Lee said this week? We were blessed to be able to go to Pigeon Forge and there was 35 other ministers there this week and no agenda. It was just beautiful. And I got to Dothan and things hit my family and I told Russell, I said, I think I need to turn around and go home. And when I got there, Pastor Lee said to all the ministers, he said, you know what? He said, I had some ministers back out and he some of them were for emergencies and other things and, and that's okay, but he said, He said, us as ministers don't show up after we say we will, but we expect our churches to do what we say. He said, pastors are the most uncommitted people that there is. He said, because more importantly than anything we may do all year is what just happened last week. But he said, yet, he said, just like you, Jared, he said, you almost turned around. He said, you almost turned around because there was something pressing. And he said, but you expect your people to be faithful. But you told me you were coming and you're not going to be faithful to do what you said. He wasn't talking about you. (laughs) Brother David was supposed to build the church next door. But he was just saying to all the ministers. Okay. Please know I wasn't talking about you. (laughs) I'm saying he was saying to all of us ministers. He was saying, "Period." he said to all of us that was there. He said, you are the most un- uncommitted people, but you expect your people to be committed. Amen. And so it just really challenged me. And he was challenging me. We live halfway. We live halfway. The left is, gro- is full, but the right, the church, atop of the church, is withdrawn. And so we live in fear instead of faith. Revelation chapter 3 verse 16 speaks of a church that is lukewarm. It's halfway. What did Jesus say he would do to this church? Spew her out of his mouth. Lukewarm means this it can mean an attitude. Is your attitude lukewarm? Well, my attitude kind of stinks today. And if you don't confess that, then guess what? Everybody's going to know your attitude stinks. We're going to know you don't want nobody around you. And so, guess what? I don't even know. If you want to deal with it, you might as well go home. You know what I'm saying? Because you, you're just being soured to everybody. And you know what you're doing. I ain't pushing nobody out of here. Amen. I'm saying get to an altar if that's what you want. Get it right. But don't sit there soured up, puffed up. Amen. We can be lukewarm in our attitudes or our actions. Unenthusiastic. There's a lot of things that needs to be done in the kingdom of God. Amen. But we cannot be, we can be lukewarm in our action. We say we want these things, but do we Really? It can mean not to be zealous. It can mean to be cold or cool or indifferent. Lukewarm in obedience or coldness. That's what lukewarmness is. So ask yourself that this morning. Are you any of those? Amen? Are you any of those? And the fourth thing. Who's going to play? Brother Russell, are you playing? The fourth thing is the health of the church. I said this earlier, and I had this wrote down. I've learned enough to be miserable in church. The health of the church. Jesus desires for the church to be made whole and for the body to function in full capacity. The scripture that I read to Sister Jamie a while ago, 3 John, of course, chapter 1 is the only chapter, verse 2, that God's desire, beloved, is that you prosper and live in health as your soul prospers. The book of Philippians chapter 2 says, "Care for others more than you care for yourself." Now, that's a healthy church, but do we do that? A healthy church is when you weep with those that weep, when you laugh with those that laugh. That's a picture of a healthy church. A healthy church in the picture of that is a church that is in unity, where there's peace, and there's one accord, we're together, we're not divided. Amen. I said this the other day. You can have diversity without division. You know what I love? At our camp meeting this year, we got three black men coming to preach. I'm so excited about that. I can't even tell you. And through my time this weekend, I was able to hook Brother Melvin Sanchez and Pastor Shedrick up. I said, boy, there ain't no telling what's going to happen at Fishers and Men when Sanchez gets over there. Amen. I said, let me know when that happens. I'm coming. I'm coming. Amen. We may just load all of us up and go over there. Amen. But divine connections, that's what God does. That's a picture of a healthy church. Amen. That's a healthy church. I love diversity, but I hate division. Amen. I love diversity, but I hate division. I shared this with Russell. It's a friend of mine, and he'll be here some during this camp meeting. His name is Noah Middleton. He's the founder of Christ All Nations. He travels from Pakistan, Asia, India, Myanmar, all around the world. Traveled with the School of Christ. And six years ago, today's his six-year anniversary. You asked me how long today's his anniversary, and I called and asked for his permission. Um, he's now at Pastor Lee's church. God's did a miracle in his life to bring him down here, but he was lived out in Colorado, very liberal. Places. He preached at a lot of liberal churches. And he said they're very sick. These churches are very sick churches. They're unhealthy. And his wife, six months after they got married, she was diagnosed with chronic EBV, Epstein Barr virus. Is that right? And she's got it chronically. So he basically said she's like 30 years old but he's married to an 80-year-old woman. It attacks every organ in her body. Very, very sick. Very serious mentally. It attacks everything in her body. They were blessed. They have two kids, two and four. She wasn't even supposed to have children. And it has just been, we prayed for him and Brother Ross Kippito for their wives this week, and just broken, just broken. Because he said, I want my wife with me when I travel. He said, we've got a call to do together, not separate. He said, I want God to heal my wife. And I guess he said something, and maybe this is where all this was birthed out of today. Because his wife at times, she just, she can't do anything. And so he said he went back a few months ago and was preaching in these churches. He said, very liberal very sick, very unhealthy. And he said, I was preaching messages that the pastors were afraid to say. And he said, when I got done preaching a message, he said, I went back to my seat and I just began to pray and thank God for bringing me back to the sick churches. He said, because this is my heart, the sick church. And he said, I began to pray for Hannah. His wife is Hannah Middleton. Pray for her when you think about it. Hannah Middleton. And so he said, I began to pray for Hannah and began to ask God to heal her body and he said the Lord prompted him brother David and said I'm showing you this in this season of your life because just like you were wounded as her bridegroom when she can't come with you when I've called you because she's sick because she's in pain she can't give birth she's hurt He said, Noah, God said to Noah, God said, Noah, I'm showing you this to show you a picture of my bride on the earth. She's hurt. She's sick. And there's a lack. Just like your heart aches when you're in Colorado and your wife is in Louisiana because she's sick, she can't be with you. So there's authority that's missing. There's power that's missing because she's not with you. And Jesus began to tell Noah it's the same with my bride. My bride won't follow me. My bride is unhealthy. My bride is sick. My bride is to the point that she can't give birth, because she's so wounded, so hurt. And so this same disease that attacks Noah's wife, there's a disease that is attacking the church, and it's sin. It's adultery. It's knowing what to do and not doing it. It's pornography, it's addictions. It's your rebellion. Kicking against the pricks, just like Saul of Tarsus did. He wasn't a I mean, he was going, to, but he knew what to, he knew the grace of God, but he was running from it. So out of his anger, he was rebelling against it. And if the bridegroom, if the bride doesn't move with the bridegroom, it becomes very unhealthy. And it leaves room for the enemy to get in. And the church has become very, very unhealthy in this hour because we've not moved with the bridegroom. So Noah just said, I just lifted up my hands and said, God, this is why and what you're showing me. He said, let me stay broken for the bride of Christ because she's not moving with the bridegroom. And he'll tell you, he said, there's a great lack when she's not with me. There's things that we miss when she can't go. And so you have to know that, even husbands and wives. When you're not in unity and in order, it leaves a great room for the enemy to get in. Lots of distractions can happen. And as a church, we're the bride of Christ. But when we don't move with the bridegroom Jesus, it leaves a lot of room for the enemy to get in. So y'all pray for Hannah because now he's like, God, you showed us this revelation healer. <laughs> he's like, maybe we're done. But God's still working. You still believing. Six months after they were married. Would you just stand with me? So a lot of pain in the church. And that pain, just like her physical attack, Her pain keeps her from moving with her bridegroom. And pain in your life will keep you from moving with the bridegroom. As the remnant rises, so will the religious. The first people that were there watching every move that Jesus made were the scribes and the Pharisees. Verse 7 says they watched him, whether he would heal on the Sabbath day that they might find an accusation against him. Can I tell you, religious people always try to find fault in the moving of the Spirit of God. When the Holy Ghost begins to move, religious people will always begin to speak. You have to know in that moment that he that is in you is greater than what they say. Religious people, they may have been in church 50 years, but because it didn't do and go the way that they wanted it to go, And I tell you, God does things different. He told Moses, hit the rock the first time, speak to it the second time. But routine will cause you to miss the promises of God. The second thing Jesus said to him in verse 8 is rise up and stand forth in the middle. Some of you this morning need to move even as I'm speaking right now. And you need to rise up right now today. Your weakness has caused your weariness long enough. To rise up means to produce. It means to call from the dead to life. It means to cause to appear. Some of you's been out in the pasture, but God's about to ask you to come forth and anoint your life. You're fixing to appear, and listen, I believe even people that aren't here this morning are about to appear out of nowhere, and the anointing of God's gonna be on their life, and they're gonna be as David was people you've been praying for they're just about to appear in your life you're going to say my God my God I've been praying for that it was 30 years ago but all of a sudden boom here it is today's the day today's the day of salvation for them you've been seeking the Lord for your kids brother my this today you're going to just see it it may be 10 more years but on that day you go, my God you're not even going to know that it was 30 years because he's going to redeem the time cause to appear Bring forth before the public. My God. That's what this word, rise up. That's what Jesus did in front of all the religious people. He said, rise up in the middle. Can I tell you, God's about to call his bride, this remnant, to public places. To public places to preach and to speak and to testify. To raise up, to stir up against one. Who are we against? The devil. To construct, it means to build something. It means to raise up from sitting, from lying down, from disease. Somebody needs to walk out of your disease right now. When I wrote this down this morning, I felt somebody was going to have a disease in this house this morning. And I believe you're going to rise up in the middle of everybody this morning and walk right out of it. If that's you, I want you to move right now. If you've been in a sitting position, God's calling you to rise up. If you've been lying down, beat down, I want you to rise up and walk to this altar some from death, some from inactivity. You had not been active. From inactivity, you're going to be called up. Some of you is going to be called up from the ruins. There's been ruins in your life. You're going to be called up. Whew. I didn't even think about you, Brother Scott. Oh, my God. Listen to this one. From non-existence. Woo. Some of you ain't even felt like you've ever existed or mattered to anybody. God's about to make your name great. God's about to make your name great. Why? Because the bride has been unhealthy long enough. God's about to choose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. Those people that have been non-existent, God is about to cause existence to come to their life. The third thing, when the remnant rises, that God, Jesus Christ, will cause a reverence to come back listen to what he said in honor will be restored to the house of God verse 10 said and looking round about upon them all he said unto the man stretch forth thine hand the very people that was ridiculing Jesus he looked at all of them and you know if you look that word up in the Greek it means he got eye to eye with them all he said at here look what I'm about to do <laughs> I want y'all all to see it and so before Jesus told him to stretch forth his hand he looked at them all and he got their attention he said watch this He looked at them. He wanted to make sure that he made eye contact with every one of them because you're fixing to see what you've never seen before. You better get ready for Jesus to begin to make eye contact. (laughs) Jesus is about to make eye contact and he's going to begin to say stretch forth thine hand and the bride of Christ is going, I don't have a hand. I know. (laughs) I know you don't. That's why I can use you. That's why I can use you in the middle of all these religious people because you said, I don't have a hand to stretch. I know God is going to put us in positions this year that are going to be impossible. And it's not going to be to see what we can do, but what Jesus can do through us. Stretch forth on hand. I don't have a hand to stretch forth. I know you don't. But obey me and watch what happens. So he stretched it forth and immediately, immediately they knew, they knew Jesus was who he was. That didn't mean they went and turned against him. They still communed against him, but I can tell you this, they knew. That word reverence means to honor or respect, to feel shown. It means to respect to a position to even to bow down. People are fixing to bow down in the house of God again. In reverence for the king. And the fourth thing, and I'm close with this. Verse ten says, "And he was restored whole, as the other. His right hand was restored, just like the other one." Can I tell you, Jesus is coming back for a bride that is spotless. Spotless. Ephesians five, verse twenty-seven. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. That he might present it to himself a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But that it should be holy and without blemish. Can I tell you once that right hand got stretched out. You couldn't tell the difference between the right and the left. You couldn't tell which one had any effects of sin. The one that had been hurt. You couldn't tell any effects of that right hand. It looked just like the left. Can I tell you, you're not going to look like what you've been through. You're not going to smell like what you've been through. People's going to look at your life a year from now, and they're going to say, man, I couldn't tell you've been through that. I never knew that you have been through that. You've been at Project Hope. A year from now, two years from now, ten years from now, you're going to be preaching in pulpits You're going to be fulfilling missions. You're going to be fulfilling the call. You're going to be able to tell people, man, I was a drug addict. Man, I was an alcoholic. Man, I was an abuser. I was a drug abuser. I beat my wife. I hurt my children. I was all these things. Do what? Do what? It looks just like the left hand. Do what? Do what? That's the same with this sickness, brothers. No. You're greater in the Holy Ghost, but physically. can't even tell. Can't even tell. I'm greater. I can't tell which one was ever wounded. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I'm ready to be a part of that remnant. If you're here this morning and you can relate to the hurt, to the abuse, to the religion, Would you just come? Let's find a place and just worship the Lord in these altars this morning.